Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. You know, I was thinking about the Word again um, two weeks ago. Actually, three weeks ago, I gave a message about the Word, the Word of God. And when you look at that word, Word, it's actually the word logos in the Greek. And the word logos means character, integrity, intention behind the spoken word. And so it's as if the logos is not just what's written down and it's not just what's spoken, but it's the character of God behind what he has said. So when God says, you know, he promised to Abraham that he'd have more offspring than the stars and the sands of the sea. And that's a lot, right? And he is working down that path. He promised to Jesus that he would be forever a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And Jesus is in the grave. You know, something that is fascinating to me when you do a study of the Psalms and you see a lot of the Psalms that are prophetic of the words of the Messiah in the grave after the crucifixion, before the resurrection. King David was just connected with the heart of God and, and prophesied a lot of insight to understand what Jesus was going through in that grave. It's, it's incredibly powerful. You look at Psalm 18, homework assignment number one, read that and look at it as Jesus in that grave waiting to be lifted up and rescued out of that place. It wasn't like he died and then just kind of you know, like, anybody see Dr. Strange? You know, the spirit kind of pops out of the body and he's just sitting there. It's not like Jesus just popped out of his body and was sitting there waiting three days and then he went to heaven, no. And it wasn't necessarily he was down there fighting demons or anything like that because there was no fight. It was just done. But he died your death. And there's a transition in that grave where his faith had to win the battle over death. He wasn't down there fighting the devil he stripped the devil of any, of any and all power, but he was conquering death. How's that for a task, right? You think you're supposed to suffer the same things that Jesus did? Well, how about you die and you go into the grave and you get enough faith to be stronger than death? I don't think so. The sufferings that we participate in with Jesus is benefiting from what he suffered. Amen? God's not interested in you suffering to gain any aspect of salvation. Jesus suffered on your behalf. You're a beneficiary. So what we're left with is the Word of God is alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. And I kind of recounted this experience that I had where I was just praying and I just was thinking about the Lord and became aware of His presence within me. And, you know, I was, just, I was out looking at the trees and listening to the birds and all that. And it was just a nice moment. And then I just felt like you know, I'm not trying to say some mystical experience happened, but my awareness just shifted a little bit. And I felt like I was part of God's creation. Like I didn't feel like I was separate observing something. I felt like I was part of God's design. So like when God spoke this world into existence, everything was formed out of his logic and his reasoning and his intelligence. And it's like if, if something, just a concept came out of his mind and it began to work, that's his logos in action. You are part of his logos manifest. You breathing and observing nature and relating to people and looking to him to bring glory to him, 
to his name, to his authority, that's all part of the design. You know, it's almost like he, he spoke it and, it and then it just began to manifest and grow and build and you're part of it. So his word that's alive and active that is, bringing, that is ultimately bringing restoration to all things. You know, we might have a few bad years ahead of us, but ultimately what's happening is God is bringing rest, the restoration of all things the unity of everything in, in, back in proper order in heaven and in earth. That is ultimately what's going to happen. Like, I understand being preoccupied with some unfulfilled prophecies and things getting pretty dark, but for me, when I think about the future, I think about the restoration of all things. I think about this new heaven and this new earth. I think about what are we going to look like? How are we going to interact with God? What's, what is eternity going to look like? Not these few bad years that, that may or may not be as what we have traditionally been taught might be a little different than you think. You know what I'm saying? So ultimately, when you look at the future, are you, what are you focusing on? All things new. Are you focusing on what Jesus paid for? Or are you focusing on what might be left for the devil to do for just a little while? For me, I'm focusing on what Jesus paid for. And we're left with this idea of faith because now there is a righteousness that's been given to us that's by faith. Used to be righteousness was, you really couldn't even be righteous. You could just be accredited as righteous by keeping the laws and ordinances. But there is a righteousness, a right standing with God. In other words, a proper place in the divine order of God's creation. That when I think of righteousness, that's what I think about, right? Like if you think about an, a machine that's working, and if there's a belt that's broken, or if there's a wheel that's off center, or there's something that's messed up in the system, right? You, to me, that's, that's sin, or that's carnal thinking, or that's us identifying ourselves as the dead man, the old man. But when you see yourself as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, as you see yourself in proper relationship with God, you're a right-fitting piece in God's engine, and everything just runs smoothly. Amen. And we, we only experience death when we kind of force that position in and of ourselves based on the way that we think. Because the way God sees you spiritually is already in that perfect place in His family, in His kingdom. What's, what we're waiting for is what He has declared and accomplished spiritually to be manifest completely physically, right? So what we have is in the promise, in the gospel, is the promise of eternal life. Like that right functioning order of experience in God's family and in God's creation experiencing the way that he originally intended it, and even better, that forever. That's our hope, right? Eternal life, eternal security in him, eternal redemption. No more sorrow, no more sickness, no more death, no more war. That's our hope, right? And it's a hope because God promised it. And this is really what I want to say today. So if you get one thing, get this. You have faith in God, but you have hope in His promise. You have faith in God, but you have hope in His promise. So what is faith? Faith simply means to be persuaded of or to have a conviction of. 
Faith is not something that you get more of that you don't have and you're a better Christian or you get to do more interesting things in the kingdom because, you know, he's still got his little thing that he's messing with over there. That's, that's not what faith... Faith, the only difference in our faith is how persuaded am I of who God is versus how persuaded of you of who God is. That's the only difference in measures of faith that there are. But you have the faith of God in you. Incredible. In other words, you have Jesus, as confident as Jesus is in his Father, that is what you have in you. You have his mind, you have his spirit, and you have his word continually affirming and pointing you back to who God really is, right? So that's where your faith, your faith is in who God is. My, I am persuaded that of who God is. I am persuaded that God is a deliverer, a redeemer, a restorer, a rescuer, a provider. I am convinced that that is who God is, right? So if he is that, then my hope is in that he promised that he would provide. I'll meet all your needs according to, you know, he'll, he'll meet all our needs according to his riches and glory. That's a promise. You can have hope in that promise because you're persuaded of who God is. So what is hope? If, if faith is just, I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded that that right there is Kopi. You know what I mean? I know him. I know what he's going to do. I know that at the end of this service, he's going to come up here and with that golden voice, he's going to usher us on right out of here. I just know that that's who he is, right? Amen. It's the same thing with God. How persuaded are you that God will be who, I mean, do you have any doubt that he's going to stand up after this? Do you have more faith in him than in God? God will be who he is. So I have hope because of who he is that he will do what he's going to do. Hope is this, confident expectation. Hope is not wish. Hope is not maybe let's pray and maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. Hope is confident, confidently expects the promise to manifest because we are persuaded of who God is. Amen? A lot of us lose our hope. And, and when we think of hope, when we think of losing hope, we think of, well, I'm struggling with depression. I just don't feel good. No, most of us don't even have hope right now because you're not confidently expecting the promise that God has spoken in your life to actually come to pass. We've just said, well, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I, maybe I'll never experience it in this life. Maybe it's too late for me. You know, we can have absolute confidence that God will be who he is. You have hope in the promise that he will bring it to pass. And see, here's the thing. It's not that you have to convince God to work in your life. I mean, those trees out there, what are they doing to convince the sun to shine upon them so, which they need for life to do the things that they're supposed to do to produce oxygen and grow leaves and bear fruit and all that kind of stuff? I mean, what are those trees doing to convince the sun to shine on them which they need for life? Nothing. All they do is just grow their roots deeper into that soil. That's you. You placing more faith more confidence in who God is, 
is you being more settled and rooted and grounded and ready to absorb that life that God is giving you. It's up to your depth of root of what you're going to let happen in your life. We've got a few scriptures here that I just want to read through. If you go to the first one in uh, Colossians. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now has he reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. I mean, that's a mouth. This, I love Colossians. I mean, this chapter to me is just phenomenal. It, it, you go through and you have a crystal clear picture of the preeminence and the authority of Jesus. And then it shows because he is preeminent and has all authority, this is what he's done for you. Through his physical body, through death, to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. I, I just have this picture that what Jesus did was came up out of the grave with his own life, with his blood, and when you say yes to that, you that, that life, that eternal life bathes you and redeems you and reconciles you. It basically removes anything out of you that's keeping you separated from living with God in unity. And I just see that as you look to Jesus and you're like, help! He just picks you up and then He takes you to the Father and He presents you to the Father, holy and unblameable. And He looks at you, look what I've done. I've made them holy. Now they can share in our union eternally. It's incredible. You have to have that image of sanctification and redemption and holiness to truly understand the atonement in the blood of Christ. You don't work for those things. You can't climb up into those arms and make God do anything. You experience the benefit of being in the arms of Jesus because he created it in such a way where you can't work for it, it's a free gift. It's the simple gospel, but man, I'm telling you, I preach this kind of stuff all the time. People come up to me and they're like, you know, I've been in church my whole life. Why didn't I know that? Well, I don't know. I could say something mean, but I won't. <laughs> I think there's one more verse in this. If, so if, there's one if, in the gospel. Do you know what it is? I'll give you a hint. <laughs> continue in your faith. Keep believing, right? That's the if. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. What is the hope of the gospel? What is the hope held out in the gospel? Eternal life. Amen. That's really what he's talking about, eternal life. Now, Interesting. You can pull that down for just a second. Hope of eternal life is interesting because the church is split. And when I say the church, the body of Christ collectively at large. Uh, hope in that God has promised you eternal life, that right there, there's so much debate and argument. Well, is it really eternal? Or do you have it sometimes and then you lose it and then you get it back and then you lose it and then you... You know what I mean? Like, can you lose the gift of eternal life once God cleanses you and bonds you to himself by his spirit? Does God then, like, peel you off of his spirit and separate you again, and then you got to get saved again? You know what I mean? Are you with me? we got to think of it beyond terms of performance and think of it spiritually. Like, what happened to you spiritually? Because that's what's going to be true of me eternally. So... 
But there is the condition if you continue in the faith. So can you lose your salvation? Honestly, I don't think anybody can answer that. If you can, it's because you stop believing, not because you sin your way out. Okay? So we'll just put it there. That's my opinion. Um, but the church argues over that, but it also argues over when the benefits of eternal life begin. Do you have any doubt that once you die, you will experience full benefit of being a child of God? Like, think about it for a minute. You're gone. You're out of this body. You're with Jesus. What's that going to be like? Is there a purgatory time period for you where you burn for a little bit, you know, and he cleans out the rest? I mean, some people believe that. But some people believe that. Too much coffee this morning. Do you think you wait? Like you go, on, you go to like 4-H camp for a little while until after the resurrection? Or I mean, you know, some people believe that. Are you asleep until the res? You know, some people believe that. I believe absent from the body is present with the Lord. Amen. You die, that's your eternal state. Do the benefits only begin then? What benefits are there? I mean, what are the benefits in heaven of being a child of God, of being a beneficiary of the saints in light, of being a beneficiary of what Jesus died for you to have eternal life? I mean, when do the benefits of eternal life begin? Think about it. Let's go back and finish this passage here. You know, we limit God so much, but it's questions like that that can take limits off. And depending on how you answer that can determine how much of God you're willing to let yourself experience now. Amen. On earth as it is in heaven, he prayed. Amen. If, so if, are you going to do the if? Are you going to keep believing? Are you going to continually stay persuaded that God is who He says that He is and confidently expect to experience the promise? of Ultimately, the promise is eternal life, and it's got a load of benefits with it. When can you experience those benefits? Are you sure? Okay. If you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard, and this has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Let's flip over to the next passage here. So we're talking about faith and hope, being confidently persuaded that God is who He is, and He made these promises, and you can confidently expect to experience those promises. That's what we're talking about here. The hope is eternal life, ultimately. You are confidently expecting to experience eternal life with God forever. When do those benefits begin? So here in Romans 8.22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning and is in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly wait for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of of our bodies. For in this hope, so, that, so there is an acknowledgement of physicality, of an experience of carnality still in this life, but a hope beyond that. For in this hope we are saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Now this is where I want to start going, right? Because he says, 
Who hopes for what they already have? Your hope should be in things that are not a reality in your life right now. You should confidently expect that the benefits of having eternal life should be manifesting into this life now because Jesus prayed your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When did the benefits of eternal life begin? What do you have the legal right to hope for? Do you know? Do you know what you have the legal right to confidently expect in your life right now? See, because we chalk these things up to God's fickleness. I'm telling you, well, He provided for this one. Why? I don't know. He didn't provide for that one. Why? I don't know. No, God is seeking to provide equally. You know, it's like, it's like the perfect society. Equal opportunity. God desires equal outcome, but it's up to you whether or not you're going to let that outcome be manifest through you. How? If you remain in the faith. If you become more confident of who God is and what He's done through Christ. That, that's the if, right? Is there more in that one? Uh, but if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. It's interesting that it doesn't say we worry. We go and tell our friends and families how mad at God we are because we don't have it yet. You know, I mean, there's a whole list of things you could interject in here. No, you wait for it patiently. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. I'm telling you, what I want you to do walking out of here today is dare to hope. Dare to confidently expect that the benefits of eternal life begin now. And you can have as much of that as you want to connect to God to experience with right now, I think. All right, so let's go back to that. So this is Hebrews 11.1. I've got a couple more areas that we're going to look at, and then we'll wrap up. Hebrews 11, the whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is very interesting. You know, people call it the roll call of faith. If you haven't read this in a while, I encourage you to go. So this will be homework assignment number two. Read Hebrews chapter 11. And don't necessarily pay attention to what those people did, but pay attention to where their hope was. You, you, you with me? And I'll give you some examples. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Think about that for just a minute. I've quoted the prophet Denzel Washington before. He says this. It's a really cool video. Denzel's talking to some actors. He's like, I made millions and millions of dollars. And the way that I did it was I had a hope and I believed that it could come to pass and I held on to it. And then he says, I, he said, that hope is from God. And then he said, I don't think God would let me have that hope if he didn't intend to let me have the, the benefit of having that hope. Now, that'll preach. I believe that that's what this is saying, right? That's a, that's a way to say this. So now faith is confidence in what we hope for. Do you have confidence in what you're hoping for? Or what you, is what you're hoping for based in what God promised you? And really, the question, do you even know what God promised you? Things like 
with long life, I will satisfy you. Well, but then somebody else says, well, but tomorrow's not promised you today. Well, with long life, he will satisfy me. But tomorrow's not promised you. Well, with long life, he will satisfy me. Which one? Which one do you expect? Because that's what you're going to get. Above all, I wish that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Do you want it? Then expect it. Because that is who God is. You can be confident that that is who God is, but how much do you actually expect that? How much are you expecting to see the promises manifest in your life? Not that so that you can drive your Bugatti up your golden driveway into your 10,000 square foot mansion, but if that's part of it, hey, to the glory of God, right? Next verse, we're going to look at a couple of examples of this faith and hope thing. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand. By faith we understand. Not we understand, then we have faith. Are you with me? Which one do you typically want first? Understanding. God, if I'll understand, then I'll believe. Nope, not how it works. Because ultimately, truth is spiritual. And if you just go ahead and decide you're going to believe the truth, then the understanding will come. It's just the way it works. It's like what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, Psalm, I think, 16, where you hide yourself away in God in that refuge, in that tower, and then all those things progress, and then he makes known to you the path of life. Really, I think it should read, then you are at a place where you can listen as he's making known to you the way of life, the path of life. It's not like he's withholding it from you. You just can't hear it. You're not tuned to that frequency yet. The frequency is expectation. It's hope. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed by God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. So we're going to go through and skip through a couple of examples here. I'm challenging you to confidently expect, to confidently have hope in what you do not yet see in your life especially if you feel like it's a promise that God has spoken to you. Amen. Some of you have spouses. Some of you have children. Some of you have parents. And you're holding on to that promise. Do not give up. Become more confident that that promise can come to pass. Amen? <clears throat> By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen in holy fear, when Jesus used the word fear, he changed it to worship. So reverence, reverential awe, in holy awe and respect toward God, built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. I mean, what if Noah would have said, rain, what's rain? Cloud, what's that? Boat, what's a boat? And not done it, you know? Next one. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as inheritance, uh, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. This is the, these, it's the end of these that I want you to focus on. Because we look at like Abraham, he didn't know where he was going. Next one. 
And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age. I love that these details are in there. I love that these details are in there. I mean, thankfully, whoever wrote Hebrews wrote this down, you know. Uh, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. If you have a problem, it's that. Do you consider him faithful? Faithful in every way for your own personal transformation, to experience those promises for the future, for the protection of your children, whatever it is. That, that, is, that is it. Go back one more time. I want to read the end of that one, please. Was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful. See, it's not about her faith. It's about the, the faithfulness of God. That's the original attack of the enemy in the garden. Did God really say? And it's still happening. It's, it's, we have built doctrine or, or uh, de- denominations that delineate how far we think God is faithful. Well, I didn't experience this when I prayed. Well, that must mean God doesn't do that anymore. That sounds pretty good. Let's make a doctrine out of that. What? I mean, we laugh, and it's an oversimplification of people that spend years in seminary to come to those conclusions, have you considered that God just might actually be faithful? Next one. And so form, and so from this one man, God, I mean, you could preach on that for two weeks, from this one man. Don't limit yourself. You might be that one man. You might be that one woman that God's promised something to and as, and he as good as dead. Well, can you imagine Abraham reading this in heaven? Well, God, uh, this is the roll call of faith. I'm at the top. Your description of me is he's as good as dead. And old Travis over there, I tell you what, he's good as dead. God gets the glory. As good as dead (laughs) came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. You might feel like you're about as as worth as death. You know what I mean? You feel worthless. You're in good company. God said Abraham was as good as dead. Through his lineage came Jesus. Jesus. Two people. Think about this. Two people. She was too old to have children, and he was as good as dead. (laughs) And through him, them, we get Jesus. Because they had hope that God was faithful. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him. Now, this is a whole thing. Let's read it. Offered Isaac as a sacrifice. God was kind of correcting some un some weird pagan things there. It was in their cultures back then that you sacrifice your children to these pagan gods. God was kind of destroying that through this. But look what actually happened. He who embraced the promises, he had hope in the promises because he was confident that God was faithful. 
He who embraced the promises, it's okay to believe the promises. Expect them. Was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Hang on one second there. He was willing to sacrifice his son like all the other pagan gods expected. Watch. Next verse. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. That's how, that's how faithful he thought God was, and that's how much, that's how expectant he was in the promise that God had made. Well, this thing looks dead. My wife's too old. I'm as good as dead. Or, you know. And now I've got to kill the one that the Messiah is going to come through. But that's not really, I don't think he even, you know, he told the boys that when they walked up the mountain, there were other people with them. He's like, you go on over there, make the fire, gather the sticks. I'm going to go over here and kill the boy. We'll be back. Well, well what do we, then Isaac. See, then, God, then Abraham really revealed his heart to Isaac. Well, what are we doing, Dad? You, don't worry, God will provide a lamb. I mean, you got some things that are as good as dead. You feel about as good as dead. You got some things that you feel like you have to let go of because you've hoped, you feel like you've hoped for so long that you got to let it die. Don't let it die. Do not let it die. You have legal right to expect the promise in your life because God promised it. Now, is he faithful? that God could even raise the dead. Let's finish that one. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the death. Last, there's like four verses in this, just continuing on to the next chapter. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such great a cloud of witness, since we are surrounded by all these people that confidently had faith that God is who he is and had hope in what he promised, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him. What's, who's that joy? What is that joy? You being in his family. Amen. Endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's I took authority. Consider him. Consider him. See, when you're praying and you perceive lack, consider him. Now, the problem is, what is it that you believe about him? That's what this church exists for. We're changing the way people see God. That God, 100% of the time, will back up his promise. And all his promises are yes and amen in Christ. And I'm not going to make any excuses for that, and I'm not going to try to come up with any doctrine to make you feel better or why you're not experiencing it. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you feel weary? Have you lost heart? I feel like that was an ad for a second there. Wasn't it? <laughs> Try Jesus, you know. 
But wait, there's more. You can experience eternal life today. Amen. This preaching stuff is weird, isn't it? Hey, There's a bunch of fools up here dancing around. Jesus gets the glory. Amen. That's where we are. Amen. That is your battle. How faithful do you think God is? How faithful is God? When do the benefits of eternal life begin? Just swirl those around in your thinking. Let that stuff grow in your heart a little bit. You know, think about who God is. By faith, you understand. By faith, you understand. The next time you're seeking to understand what it is that you're dealing with, ask yourself, am I persuaded of who God is in this area that I'm trying to gain understanding about? By faith, by a conviction, by a persuasion of who God is, I understand. Whatever area you're dealing with, see who God is in that area. There may be a story in the life of Jesus. There may be a, even an Old Testament story that kind of gives this archetypal picture of, how to, of who God is. You know what I mean? Like, that's the wrestling that you do. The wrestling is not, I wonder if God... Then you're listening to the voice of the enemy. The issue is, how confident am I that this is who God is? Consider Him. Set your eyes on Him. Since then, you have been raised with Him, and you are seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ, hidden with Christ in God, having received the initial down payment of the promise of eternal life by His Spirit. What are you going to do with that? Because the more of it you experience, the more glory He gets in this earth. Amen? Amen. Be persuaded that He's faithful and expect the promise to manifest in your life. The promise, specifically, the benefits of having received eternal life. I mean, you know, maybe do that and exercise. Go home sometime this week and write down, well, what are the benefits of eternal life? Right? Just write them down. Stuff that you're not, you know, <laughs> the stuff that's going to be at the top of that list is stuff that you don't have to deal with in this life anymore. But get creative with it. See how long your list gets. Make a list of the benefits of eternal life and then go through and see which one of them you want to experience now. Now, don't just be making stuff up. It's got to be scriptural, right? It's, I mean, it's got to be consistent with what Jesus paid for. I'm not getting carnal and selfish in this thing. But do some dreaming. Do some imagining with God. You might even have an experience where you see Jesus fly in on a unicorn and he gives you a golden sash and he sings a song to you or something like, was that real? Well, I don't care if it's real or not. Does it point to a truth? If, if the conclusion is truthful... I don't care what the experience was, you know what I mean? Use your imagination. Let it teach your heart how to have confidence and faith in Him. I mean, we, we so limit what we can do and how we can see Him and experience Him and let faith arise inside of us and let hope arise inside of us. Have fun with it. I'll check your lists next week. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we do. We just thank you. We, we trust you. I, I, I am committed to being fully persuaded 
that you're God. It almost sounds trivial to say it that way, God, but I want it to be simple. I am confident that you are God. I am confident that you are faithful. I can depend on you. I can trust you. You're trustworthy. I thank you for the hope of eternal life. I thank you that I'm secure in that. I will continue in the faith. I will continue believing that because of you, I have eternal life. And I am going to confidently expect to experience the benefits of having received eternal life now. And I'm going to trust your spirit to lead me through that process. Whatever that looks like, whatever areas of sin that I need to deal with, Father, I give give myself to you. I yield to your spirit to teach me the path of righteousness so that I just lay those sins aside, stuff that I don't even know about. Father, those old mindsets, those things that, that limit your spirit from manifesting through me, I'm willing to let it go. I'm willing to change my mind. I'm willing to repent of my carnal ways of thinking to not limit you so that you would be fully glorified through me in this earth. I trust you, Lord. I don't, I don't even know how limitless this thing can be, but I'm willing to just be more shaped, more transformed, more taught by you.